You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. I'll tell you what, like, I've never preached this much in a row before, so I don't know how well this is going to go. But I really appreciate you guys having me here, and I really don't take it lightly, I promise. Like, man, it's just such a blessing. Like, I say this a lot, but I am. I don't know a 23-year-old who is able to preach this much, and I promise you it's not me. It's you guys, like, being willing to let me and stuff like that, and I just I praise the Lord for you guys so much, and you guys are just a blessing, so thank you so much. We're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 3 today. It's going to be our starting point, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to read two verses there, verses 16 and 17. And I'm going to be more teaching than preaching today. I always like that Wednesdays are more of a Bible study than um, a preaching session or anything like that. So um, I'm going to be teaching more than preaching, but um, I think it should be a fun time. First Timothy, let me check that. Second Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Point deduction. That's right. There's going to be a lot of those tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All right, the Bible says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here here tonight, Lord. Thank you so much for this church, this family, Lord. Um, the fact that we can gather around and just worship you and praise your name, Lord. I thank you for saving my soul. I thank you for um, just the bond that we have with one another, Lord. And I just ask that you just open up our hearts here tonight. Um, speak through me. Give me liberty to preach. Give me liberty to teach, Lord. And um, just help me glorify your name and all that we do, Lord. And if there's anybody in here who's not saved, Lord, help me um, uh, just be able to speak that salvation message in the midst of this. Uh, message, Lord, and just help them get saved and come to you. We love you so much. We thank you, and we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, to start, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And that's basically talking about all scripture in this book. It is God's word. It's infallible, indestructible. It's inspired by God. Um, And we all know that. As Baptists, that's what we believe. That's one of our distinctives, that this is the word of God. The term inspiration there actually means God-breathed, meaning that this book is the Word of God. And a lot of us know that when somebody comes and asks us, they're going to, like, our first answer is, yeah, the Bible's the Word of God. You know, that's something that we believe. But I think that one has to do more than to just say, I believe that the Bible is the Word of God. I believe we must have the facts and the truth to base our claim. So having said that, here's a look at 10 reasons why I believe the Bible is the Word of God. It's something that um, being raised Mormon, Mormons believe the Book of Mormon is the Word of God, based on feeling, based on what they were raised in. So um, for me, hearing that growing up, I just thought, well, it's just whatever you feel like. You know, the Bible, you know, might be the Word of God. The Book of Mormon might be the Word of God. It was hard for me um, to just go off a feeling because that's all the Book of Mormon Church goes off of. So when I, uh, you know, answered the call to preach and I started coming to church here, I really dove into understanding why I believe what I believe. And that's something that we have to do. We need to have an answer for every man. We need to study to show ourselves approved unto men. So we need to know this book and why we believe that this book is the Word of God. 
So to start off, the first reason why I believe the Bible is the word of God is from the testimony of Jesus Christ. You see, because he's the most credible person that we have. He is our authority. So the testimony of Jesus Christ is our most credible source, and we can know the truth of this word by understanding why he is so credible, because Jesus Christ testifies to the fact that this is the word of God. So first off, why is he credible? Why is he our most credible source? You got the Book of Mormons who believe that Joseph Smith is the most credible source. We've got so many different people that think they have the, the credible author, the credible source. It doesn't contradict itself. It doesn't contradict itself. That's right, for sure. So, but there's five things I want to look at proving the credible source of Jesus Christ. First off, the divine life that he lives. No other person can say that. No other prophet. The divine life that he lives. The divine words he spoke. We'll get into that a little bit. The divine words he spoke, the divine works he performs, the divine proof of his resurrection. We have proof of his resurrection and the divine influence of Christ upon history. All five of those things prove the fact that he is credible. He is our most credible source and he testifies to the fact that this is the word of God. More than any other person in the world, more than any other person that's ever walked this earth, they do not have the credibility that our Lord and Savior has. So if we go off of his testimony, we can know the truth and have confidence in that. He is our authority, and he testifies to the divine authorship of the Bible. Mark chapter 7, verse 13, he actually calls the law of Moses the word of God. That's the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Right there we see the word of God, first five books. We're done. Luke 24, 20, verse 27, after his resurrection, he came upon two individuals walking, and the Bible says that he expounded unto them the truth of the scriptures concerning him. The Bible says, in beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He went to those two individuals and showed the facts that he was the Messiah and the Son of God. He actually literally took these two individuals and told them the truth of the scriptures in the Old Testament, the prophecies, and said, I, I am that I am. I am the person that this, these prophets spoke about, that the word of God spoke about. You see, right there, he testifies to the fact that the Old Testament was the word of God. So we see the first two things, the first five books of the Bible, we see throughout the Old Testament. And then in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, he just comes out and authorizes the Old Testament completely. Not just a little bit, not just the first five books, but he says, hey, the entire Old Testament is the word of God. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 24, verse 44, if you would. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. You see, Jesus Christ testifies to the facts that this is the word of God. From start to finish, the 66 books in the Bible. All right, the Bible says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So right there he just says, Hey, the entire Old Testament, the 39 books in the Bible, that's the word of God. So we've got confidence in that. This credible authority, Jesus Christ our Savior says, the Old Testament is the word of God. We can have confidence in that. In Matthew 5.18, I like this. He says, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law 
till all be fulfilled. You see, a jot is the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet, less than half of any other letter. A tittle is the nearest point of a consonant, less than the cross we put on a T. So he's saying no jot or tittle. He's referring to the fact that the Old Testament is the word of God. Not one thing is wrong. This is the word of God. Not one contradiction, not one error, not one faulty thing in this entire book. He's saying, hey, the Old Testament is the word of God. He testifies to that fact. But he not only says that, he doesn't just leave it at that. He also says the New Testament is the word of God as well. See, a lot of people think, okay, maybe the Old Testament was, but we don't really know how the New Testament got put together. You know, they find different epistles of Barnabas and of uh, uh, Peter, and they're saying, why isn't that the word of God? And you have people trying to um, reject the New Testament canon. But Jesus endorses the New Testament. John 14, 26 says, But the Comforter, which is in the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You see, we have got, we've got the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit endorsing the New Testament. Not only are the teachings of the apostles inspired, but also their recollections. The recollections are the Holy Spirit's recollections, and he cannot forget. You see, the, old, the apostles talked about how it's not them speaking, it's not them talking. Back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. See, these apostles said that a lot in their epistles. Hey, it's not me saying this, it's the Holy Spirit saying this, but Jesus actually testifies to that fact, knowing that we this New Testament is the word of God, and you've got... So many people agreeing to that fact. You know, it's not just something that these um, apostles came up with or um, these disciples came up with saying, hey, this isn't me. This is the word of God. This is God speaking through me, something that they came up with. No, Jesus actually said this was going to happen. John 16 verses 12 through 13 says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. We've got all truth right here. Those apostles in and of themselves could not write this book, but with the Holy Spirit's help, yeah. with it being God-breathed, we're able to get this perfect canon, this perfect word of God, 39 books, 22 books, in this perfect, amazing Amen. masterpiece. Amen. It's the word of God. You see, he endorses the Old Testament. He endorses the New Testament. The testimony of Jesus Christ points to the fact that this book is the word of God. Secondly, though, it's fulfilled prophecies. That's why I believe this book is the word of God. Now, there are two classes of prophecies that we have to look at. Both point to the fact that this is the inspired, infallible, indestructible word of God. First off, the explicit prophecies. Those are verbal prophecies. Now, in these prophecies, written hundreds of years before the Messiah came, we have the most explicit statements as to the manner and place of his birth his reception by men, how life would end, his resurrection, and his victory following his death. Now, those explicit properties, properties are written throughout the Old Testament. Sixty different prophecies were fulfilled at the time of Christ's crucifixion. We see this in Isaiah 53. Malachi verses 5 and 2, this is talking about the birth as well, not just the crucifixion, but the fact that there will be a Messiah who comes. 
Daniel chapter 9, verses 25 through 27. Those are just a couple of them. But the Old Testament had the truth, had this prophecies that these Jewish rabbis, these Jewish people looked towards and looked forward to saying and knowing that, hey, there's going to be a Messiah that comes. There's going to be a Messiah that comes one day. And Jesus Christ fulfilled every single prophecy, every single thing that the Old Testament pointed to. He fulfilled it in himself because he was the Messiah. He was the Savior and he was the Lord of all. We see the fulfilled prophecies, those explicit verbal prophecies in the word of God. But then we see the types as well. And I'm, I'm going over these subjects really fast. Like each point I want to go in depth into and I want to highlight it. Um, this could be the explicit prophecy that I could literally preach 12 weeks and not even scratch the surface. So I'm just going really fast, but I just want to point to the fact that this is the word of God. We see the explicit prophecies and then we see the types as well. And man, that is my favorite thing to study. Typology in the Old Testament, how it points to Christ. It is something that's awesome. And the, the Bible college that I'm in right now, uh, the dean, Dr. Ronnie Simpson, Jesse's pastor, that's his like doctorate. And man, he is just amazing with that. And it's my favorite thing in the world. So types are history, institution, institutions, ceremonies, and um, rituals that are all prophetic in the Bible. You know, we can look at that in the Old Testament, studying the history, studying what the law says, studying um, everything with that, and we can base it and use that as a type of a Christ, how Joseph was a type of a Christ, how the, the tabernacle was a type of Christ. In the Old Testament, there are types of Christs, and there are reasons why it was specifically written down this way, why the Bible um, uh, was inspired and written in this sort of way or given a commandment in uh, this way, because... It was a picture of what's to come in the New Testaments. The tabernacle, the brazen altar, the laver, the golden candlestick, the table of showbread, the veil, the altar of incense, the ark of the covenants, the very coverings of the tabernacle, they're all prophecies. Brother Jesse preached a message, a series on that for Sunday school on the tabernacle. I don't know how long it went because um, I wasn't here at that time, but he preached an entire series on that and he didn't even scratch the surface about how every little piece, object, covering that was in the tabernacle was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and what's to come. Kind of like the mercy seat, the blood being presented. All of those things points to Jesus Christ. The Old Testament, the types, pointed to Jesus Christ. We see the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's fulfilled prophecies. Everything points to the fact that this is the Word of God. And then we see the unity of the Bible. The unity of the Bible. This book was written over a period of 1,500 years by more than 40 different authors, written in four different languages, 30 different authors, written in four different languages by men on every scale. It was written by cupbearers, prophets, kings, priests, the educated, the uneducated, tax collectors, fishermen. But from start to finish, from Genesis to Revelation, you will not find one contradiction or one error in this book. Amen. From Genesis to Revelation, you see the scarlet thread that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. No other book can say that. That many different authors and that many different languages over that length of time, you're bound to find one contradiction. You're bound to find one error. There are people that are dedicating their lives, professors that have doctor degrees and are going to school so much trying to find one error and one contradiction with this book. But you want to know what they find? Nothing. They'll come to you and say, I found one. I got one. You'll go online and you'll see a lot of things saying, hey, I got one. But then you come to a preacher 
You come to a man of God and you say, hey, I got this contradiction. I've got this error. This Bible is not true. And the pastor says, well, did you read the verses above that? Did you read the verses below that? You're not looking at the right context. There's not one error, not one contradiction with this book because it's the word of God. No other person, no other writer, no other author can say that. But because this was inspired by God and God breathed, it points to the fact that this is the word of God, the unity of the Bible. We then see the superiority of its teachings. That's why I believe the Bible is the word of God, the superiority of its teachings. The teaching of the Bible are more superior to any other and all other books. Now, the main difference between the Bible and all other books are these. First, the Bible has in it nothing but truth, while all others have truth mixed with error. That's what we see a lot, right? We see the Koran. There's good teachings in the Koran, some good teachings in the Koran. You see the Book of Mormon, you know, they, they've got Isaiah 53 written in there. They've got truth in there, good things in there, but then they also talk about Jesus and God being different people, different individuals, and about how God literally has a wife in heaven and how God literally conceived to make Jesus. It's just the most awful thing. But the Book of Mormon has truth in it, but it doesn't have all truth. The Bible has all truth. In the writings of Socrates, he tells you how to die, but he also tells the prostitute how to make a living. It doesn't mess, right? The Koran, they don't believe that Christ died on the cross. You see, there's some good there. There's some good teachings there, but not all of it is true. Not all of it is right. But the Bible, from start to finish, it's all true. It's all right. And there's only one book that can say that because it's the word of God. The Bible contains all truth and any subject can be dealt using the Bible alone. You find me something. You find me um, something that you're struggling with. I'm telling you, there's an answer right here in this book. There might, it might not be specifics, but I'm telling you, that category, that, that idea, it can be solved right here like this. Because this is all we need to live a righteous life for the Lord. We need to be guided by the Holy Spirit, and we need to follow these teachings. It's going to help us live a righteous life, a victorious life, a life for the Lord. So we see that. It's superior And thirdly, the Bible contains more truth than all other books combined. You take the truth of the Book of Mormon and you put that up with the the truth of the Koran, with the truth of the encyclopedias in this world, with the Buddhist, their rituals, Socrates, all of that. You put it all into one book and all of that truth together doesn't even scratch the surface of this book. You want to know how many promises are in this book? 30,000. Because every verse is a promise. Because this is the word of God. It's superior to all other books in this world combined. And then we see why I believe the Bible is the word of God from its victory over attack. You see, as soon as the Bible was written, as soon as it was canonized, and the apostle John picked out what was in the canon and what was not before he died... It was attacked just like that because Satan does not want this book to succeed. Satan does not want this book to thrive. The attack came from the likes of Celsus with his genius, Lucian with his ridicule, Diocletian by the power of the Roman Empire, Origen with his Gnosticism. We did a series on Origen. Rome through her murders. It even goes to the King James Version, them trying to stop it from happening, stop um, from um, uh, being written. So many different times we see that this book tries not to stand up to truth. But this King James Bible, this Word of God, man, it does not pass away. It stays strong. It stays true. In spite of them all, it has a mightier hold on the world today than ever before. 
because it's the word of God. No other book can say that. It's superior and it's got victory over attack. I like this. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. No matter how hard Satan tries to make this book pass away, no matter how hard the liberals try to stop this book from happening. I just watched a documentary of Adolf Hitler and he just tried whatever he could to stop that Bible from thriving. And there were still Christians dying for this book back then. There are still Christians dying for this book now. And it does not stop. It does not end. It does not pass away because it's got victory in Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's the word of God. It's the light of God. It's the hope of God. It's the peace of God. It's God's word. So then we see the Bible is the word of God for its victory over attack. But also we see it's the word of God from the character of those who accept it. And from the character of those who reject it. Show me a man living an unselfish, devoted life who has surrendered himself to do the will of God, and I will show you a man who believes the Bible to be God's word. Show me a man who's following the Lord and saying, Lord, whatever you have me to do, I'll do. Wherever you send me, I'll go. I'll show you a man who believes this book is the word of God. But what about the people who reject it? Show me a man who rejects the divine authority of this book, and I will show you a man living a life of greed, lust, spiritual pride, or self-will. Right. You see, the character of those who accept it and reject it are different. They just don't mix. If you don't believe this Bible is the word of God, you're not going to be living that righteous life for the Lord. It just it doesn't mix. It's like good and evil, wickedness and righteousness. Amen. It's kind of like this. Um, you walk into a bar and lay a Bible on the counter, then stand back and see what happens. It's going to affect some people. There's going to be people walking away from that stool yeah trying to order on the other side of the room because they don't want to be near that Bible or they're just not going to order for that time Mm -hmm. because it doesn't mix. Goodness, wickedness, it doesn't go together because this Bible's true. It's the word of God. But say I get a Playboy magazine and I go into a bar and I lay that Playboy magazine next to the counter. They're not going to bat an eye. It's not going to bother them. They're going to keep on ordering. They might even order more drinks as they're flipping through it because goodness and righteousness wickedness and evil they just don't go together Amen. you see the character of those who accept it and reject it points to the fact that this is the word of god Amen. as well yeah. so we see that now another reason why i believe this we're coming on 10 now we've got um, a couple more to go from the influence of the bible is why i believe it's the word of god Amen. a book that has power to lift men up to god that no other book has must have come from god in a way that no other book has you don't see people's lives change when reading the teachings of Socrates. You don't see people's lives change from reading all of these knowledgeable books out there. But with this book, I've seen people go from wickedness, drunks, um, selfish, selfish individuals, people who are addicted to um, drugs and alcohol, going from that to going to, from a person that you want your kids to be around, going from a deacon into a church, because this Bible changes lives, amen. The influence of this Bible has changed my life more than I can imagine. If I don't read this book for a couple days, man, I'm cranky. Amen. I'm not happy. I'm, I'm short with people. I'm not nice to Hannah. I'm giving into sin that I've never um, given into before. Maybe not never given into before, but things that I used to struggle with because this Bible influences my life. Amen. It makes me thoroughly furnished unto all good works. But the Bible says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirits and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. It's a sword, amen. It's able to pierce through me and make me the man that God called me to be. I'm telling you, this book has influence on us, and we need to read it. It's the word of God, amen. The Bible changes lives. 
If you are not reading this book, I'm telling you, you're missing out. If you're not reading this book, I'm telling you, you got to make time. You can say, I don't have time to read my Bible. you got to make time to get, read your Bible. I've been working late. I've been working hard, and it's, it's started to take a toll on me a little bit. And, um, you know, over time every weekend, that's fine. That's something that I do. But I wasn't getting my Bible reading in. I wasn't um, able to get my school time in. So what did I do? I just got up two hours early. I get up at 5 a.m. and not 6.30 a.m., and I just... Get my Bible reading in there, and it, I, it stinks, and I'm not, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. Trust me, I am yeah. an awful person. I'm not a good person whatsoever. Trust me. Don't look up to me whatsoever. But I'm telling you, we just got to make time for reading this book. Right. It changes us. It changes our lives and makes us into the man and women God called us to be. Amen. From the influence of the Bible, I see that this is the Word of God. And then from the inexhaustible depth of the Bible. The inexhaustible depth of the Bible, I like this. For 2,000 years, nothing has been added to the Bible, yet men have not exhausted it by saying, they've been, they've been reading it, studying it for 2,000 years, and people still cannot figure it all out. They're still getting truth. I know preachers who are 75 years old, 80 years old, and they're still discovering new things. The Lord's still talking through them. It's inexhaustible. You will never be able to reach that climax where you know. Hey, hey, Jesse's a preacher. Jesse's a man of God. Jesse's gone through schooling and has been a preacher for years, has read this Bible many different times over again, and he's still getting revealed right. stuff. I'm still, no matter what happens, I'm still not going to be able to look at myself and think I'm hot stuff because I've read the Bible a few times and I, I can preach. I'm, I'm nothing, amen. I'm telling you, this book will reveal to us the truth. This book is inexhaustible by study. We just got to open it up and take it in. Yes. Amen. It's inexhaustible. And then I see that the Bible is the word of God because the more we grow toward the Bible, the more we grow in knowledge and in holiness. Many times people do not agree with the Bible, but as they experience life's trials, they find out that God was right all along. Amen. They find out God was right all along. As we study and grow in the likeness to God, the nearer we get to God and the nearer we get to the Bible. So if you want to be like God, if you're trying to strive to be like him and uh, change, uh, have him change you into his image, I'm telling you, you're going to start reading this Bible. If you ask for that, you're going to start reading this Bible and it's going to change you. It changes us. It helps us grow in knowledge. The more we read the Bible, the more we grow in knowledge and in wisdom and in holiness. It changes our lives. And then finally, number 10, we see that I believe the Bible is the word of God from the testimony of the Holy Spirits. John chapter 10, verse 27, the Bible says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. You see, the Bible is God's voice. Praying is us talking to God, but reading your Bible is God talking to you. It's God's word to his sons and daughters. And we get that from the Holy Spirits. I love this, John 7, 17, one of my favorite verses. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. You see, if we've got the Holy Spirit in our hearts, we've got the ability to live a righteous life. We've got the ability to understand this book, and we've got the ability to know what's right and what's wrong. If we're doing the Lord's will and we're saved by the grace of God, we're going to know if this is the Word of God or if something else is the Word of God. But I'm telling you, if you're letting the Holy Spirit guide your life, you're going to come out to be the same thing I am, come out with the same uh, uh, 
knowledge I have, or I'm trying to find the right word, same fact that I have come to the conclusion of. You're going to come to the same conclusion as I have. That's the word I was looking for. And that's the fact that this is the word of God. Because if you're saved by the grace of God, he's going to tell you that this book is God's word. It's infallible. It's inspired. It's indestructible. And it changes lives. We just got to read it and not think of it as a chore. Think of it as, man, it's God talking to you. It is God talking to you. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It changes your lives. If we go into it with a negative attitude, we might not get much out of it. If we go into it thinking, oh, I got to do this. Oh, this isn't, this isn't good. It's not going to help you at all. But I'm telling you, if you take it and come to the conclusion, man, this is God talking to me. This is the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. It all points to Jesus Christ. It all points to my Savior, my friends, my Father in heaven. I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. I like this. I'll close with this. All right, I'll close with this. Billy Sunday preached a message on reading the Bible. And he came up with this. And this is called A Trip Through the Bible. This is what he wrote. I love it. One of my favorite, favorite quotes ever. A Trip Through the Bible by Billy Sunday. With the Holy Spirit as my guide, I entered the wonderful temple of Christianity. I entered at the portico of Genesis, walked down through the Old Testament art galleries where the pictures of Noah, Abraham, Moses, Joseph, Isaac, Jacob, and Daniel hung on the wall. I walked into the music room of Psalms where the Spirit swept the keyboard of nature until it seemed that every reed and pipe and God's great organ responded to the tuneful harp of David, the sweet singer of Israel. I entered the chamber of Ecclesiastes, where the voice of the preacher was heard, and into the conservatory of the Song of Solomon, where the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley's sweet-scented spices filled and perfumed my life. I entered the business of Proverbs, and then into the observatory room of the prophets, where I saw telescopes of various sizes pointing to far-off events, but all concentrated upon the bright and morning star, which was to rise over the hills of Judea for our salvation. I entered the audience room of the King of Kings and caught a vision of his glory from the standpoints of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Walked in the Acts of the Apostles where where the Holy Spirit was doing his work in the formation of the infant church. Then into the correspondence room where Paul, Peter, James, and John prepared their epistles. I stepped into the throne room of Revelation where toward the glittering throne and caught a vision of the king sitting at the right hand of God. And in all his glory, I cried, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Amen. I'm telling you, if we look at it in that sense, and we take that and say, hey, this is God's word. It's a masterpiece from start to finish. It's a ride. It's a roller coaster. There's ups and downs. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's God. God's message to us, we're going to have a good attitude and we're going to see it change our lives.